Please turn in your Bibles this morning's scripture, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And if you'd like to follow along using the Pew Bible, you can find the passage on 527. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instructions, to understand words of insight, to receive instructions in wise dealings, in righteousness, justice, equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who stands understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles, to fear the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Let's pray together. Lord, we're used to, to hearing that this is the word of the Lord. But may we never, ever take that for granted. That you have spoken. And you have graciously spoken to us. Your children who need to hear and desire to hear from you. And so will you open up your word to us today, cause your Holy Spirit to be our teacher, and we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we are going to be in Proverbs for uh, a a number of weeks. Uh, This will take us up to Advent, then we'll uh, do an Advent series, and then we'll resume after the first of the year. This is, however, a series that could go on for years. It won't, but it could because of the number of subjects that are touched on in here. Now, as we, as we think of, of, uh, of proverbs and of, of sayings and so on, we've, we've got to, to understand what really we're looking at here. Um, probably most of us, or I, I'll say if you're anything like, uh, like me in terms of my upbringing, you grew up with... Uh, certain sayings that uh, your mother said to you or your father said to you or both of them or your grandparents said to you. 
and I can see some smiles on your face because you're starting to think of uh, uh, some, some of those sayings. And uh, again, if you're, you're like most people, it might be a little disconcerting because, you know, you heard those things, maybe they explained them to you, and then it got to the point where uh, you knew if this happened, this saying was going to come shortly after that. And, uh, and then when you got to be a teenager and that happened, you rolled your eyes and now you're saying them in front of your children and grandchildren, uh, and that's, that's where it becomes disconcerting. I'm becoming my mother, or I'm becoming my, my grandfather here, uh, when you start hearing yourself saying those very same things. So, so what's the difference between those and the Proverbs here in the Word of the Lord, in the Word of God. Well, before we jump into this uh, first passage, uh, we, we need to understand what kind of a book this is. One of the principles of biblical interpretation is that you've always, certainly you've got to look at the context, but you've also got to look at the form of the book itself, uh, if we're to interpret it properly. Uh, there are several different kinds of forms of books in uh, the Scripture itself. You have, for instance, uh, historical books that would be primarily uh, narrative. You have uh, teaching books like the epistles in uh, the New Testament that are are letters, and they are uh, trying to instruct the church, uh, and so on. And you approach those two kinds of books differently. When we went through the book of Acts, we looked at it differently than when we went through the book of Romans, for instance. And then there are uh, prophetic books, and there are poetical books. Uh, the poetical books, or wisdom literature, uh, are Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, and most would put Ecclesiastes in there as well. So what's that mean if it's a, a poetic book? Because that's what we're going to be looking at for uh, the next number of weeks. How do we study it differently than historical or instructive books? Well, let me try to explain, but I want us to understand from the very beginning, while we look at it differently, it does not in any way diminish the fact that those books are inerrant, inspired, and authoritative. They are every bit as inerrant, inspired, and authoritative as a historical book or a, a, a teaching book. And so as we enter into it, we want to uh, say that's where we're coming from. If you're visiting with us, I want you to understand that that's where we are here at, at St. Andrews. So... Uh, the idea of uh, Proverbs, it literally means to represent. Um, it's, 
it's a short saying typically in place of many words. It's principles, uh, wise sayings, briefly stated. And uh, they were given in this case to regulate the life of a godly person. Godly advice. Now, when I say advice, again, don't diminish that because of what I just said. It's from God. He says, this is how you ought to do it. What it's not in terms of a a book. It is not a book of promises. Now, some of you aren't going to like that. But we have to be honest when we look at this. It is general statements that ordinarily follow. Now, let me give you some examples of how it cannot be a book of of promises. Proverbs 3, verse 1 says this, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for the length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Now, if this were a promise or a contract, it's not a book of contracts either. If this were a promise or a contact, it would be saying that if, uh, if, you, if you don't forget my teaching, if you let your heart keep my commandments, then you're going to live a long life. Now, we all know of times where people who did everything they could not to forget his teaching nor to, uh, and, and, and their hearts were keeping his commandments, but they lived brief lives. And so does that mean the Scripture is not true? No, absolutely not. What this is saying is that... that it, your life will be, will be better if you don't forget God's teaching. If you keep his commandments, your life on this earth will be better. You will be blessed. Some of you will live longer, but not everyone. Here's another one. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Sometimes a soft answer turns away wrath, but sometimes you give a soft answer and you're going to get punched in the nose. Okay? So, so who's wrong here? If you're going to say that this is a book of promises or contracts, then you have to say, well, I gave a soft answer It didn't turn away wrath. I got uh, my teeth knocked out. God is a liar. What else can you conclude? But remember, we have stated this is wisdom literature. It's a poetic book. These are not promises or contracts. I'll give you one more example, and, and this one may be the hardest one because I know a lot of parents that treat this one as a promise. 
And you know what? If it was a promise, I would be standing here saying, claim this promise for your child. But I cannot do that to you as your pastor. Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, I know that for some of you, that, that's heartbreaking. You may have a, a, a child that is going another direction, that is, is running from God, that has, has rejected God. And, and so every day you are claiming this as a promise. I trained up my child in the way he should go. So even when he's old, he will not depart. And, and you're claiming he, that child will come back. Now, I don't want to discourage you because we do, you should absolutely be praying for that. And God can absolutely bring that child back. But he didn't promise it in this verse. Here's the problem. If you treat it as a promise and you have that child then you have to conclude one of, of two things, that either God lied and, and you don't want to conclude that, or I messed up as a parent. And I've dealt with lots of parents down through the years that are unnecessarily feeling guilt, thinking I must have messed up because here is God's clear promise so I must have messed up because God is always faithful. What did I do wrong? And they're feeling guilt over choices that their son or daughter has made. But I've known families of four, five children, sometimes two children, where all of the children follow Christ are godly, are everything that you would want them to be, all of them but one. How do you explain that if they were raised in the same home by the same parents and parents who take this as a promise are suddenly saying, we must have done something specific to this child and they're trying to figure out what did we do, how can we fix it, and so on, when it was not a promise at any point. I've also known parents who have basically done everything wrong. <laughs> Some of you had those parents who had a child or children who came to Christ, are they to be commended because of this verse? So if we understand this rightly, that this is a, a, a proverb that gives both sides as general principles, it's not a promise, but a general observation of the way things generally Work. It's an observation. And again, not a contract. Uh, if we take Proverbs as a book of promises or contracts, it simply will make no sense. 
we will, we will walk into a dead end again and again in terms of trying to figure out what this book is saying. But know this, while they're not promises, they're not less than promises either. So don't, don't be discouraged if you have depended upon that verse. That's, a, that's an amazing verse to continue to use as principles for rearing children and you have not wasted uh, your life in this. But if you are feeling guilt because you thought this was a promise, you need not. So if, as we go through these themes, we're going to see real godly advice, real divinely inspired observation of the things, the way things are. Uh, and because it's from God, it bears the same weight as promises. One commentator put it this way, that the book of Psalms tells us how to get along with God, helps us in our devotional life. The book of Proverbs tells us how to get along with others in our practical life. I, I like that. I think that's fair. Now, neither of them exclusively, the Psalms don't exclusively speak toward God. They certainly speak toward one another as well, but in terms of the, the main thrust. So if you're living in your life and you find yourself with conflicts, Proverbs is uh, truly a book of wisdom. Uh, this book reflects 180 different types of people, 46 specific kinds of men, 23 types of women, several kinds of children. It's wisdom for the horizontal realm. So each week, we're going to look at more principles of how we are to interpret uh, the Proverbs, but for now, let's, let's move in to this passage. Uh, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. So, the first question is, how do you get wise enough to write a book of wisdom literature? Where's that come from? How did he get to that point? Back in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, and uh, this passage is in your... Uh, your outline, but I just want to read it to you because this is, this is something we need to understand for the whole book itself. It says this in verse 7, in that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said to God, You've, you have shown great and steadfast love to David my father and have made me king of his place. O Lord God, let your word to David, my father, be now fulfilled, for you've made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. He's just simply saying, you made me king. Here's what he's asking for. Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. For who can govern the people of yours, which is so great? God answered Solomon, because this was in your heart, and you've not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, or the life of those who hate you, 
and have not even asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may govern my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. Where does wisdom come from? That's it right there. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. Oh, he doesn't say this, but it, I will also give you riches, possessions, and honor, such as none of the kings who were before you and none after you shall have the like. So he doesn't ask for possessions. He says, give me wisdom. I have all these people. I don't know what to do. I need your wisdom. And God grants it. Now, we know God granted it, not only because we see uh, this book, but over in 1 Kings chapter 4, uh, verse 29, it says, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all other men. And then 1 Kings 10, verse 11 the Queen of Sheba even comes to, to test him with, with hard questions. And it says, verse 3, And Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. So let's see what that wisdom looks like. We see where it came from. It absolutely came uh, from God. But look at verse 2. In Proverbs 1, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. Um, here's here's the, the first thing we need to grasp here, and that is that godly wisdom wasn't something that only Solomon could have. Because we can sit here and say, well, God gave it to him. How's that, that help me? It's not just for uh, the elderly people who've earned wisdom uh, from their experience or mistakes. It's available for all of us as, as children of the living God. And that's, that's what the book of Proverbs is. It's been given to us. So what is wisdom? Wisdom. I looked at literally dozens of, of definitions, and there's a lot of great ones out there, but I, I tend to, to like the more simple ones. So I'm going to use this as a working definition, at least until I find one I like better, and then I'll tell you. Wisdom is seeing life from God our Father's viewpoint. Get it? Wisdom. It's seeing life from his viewpoint, not just from ours. Because if we begin to see it from his viewpoint, then we will deal with others in a wise way. We will deal with the world that we're in in a wise way. If we only see it from ourselves, then we're putting ourselves in the place of God, saying, my view is the best view here, and I'm convinced his view is the best view. So that's wisdom, at least, as we're going to be talking about it, seeing life from God our Father's viewpoint. That's so different from the world we live in. Our world says, 
We need education. We need credentials. We need degrees. We need experience. And I'm not opposed to any one of those. (laughs) Those are all good things. But ultimately, none of those are more important than godly wisdom. Don't ignore those. But understand, you may have all of those and not have godly wisdom. I've met many people where that's been the case. So, he said this, 1 Kings 3.9, give, uh, and this is uh, the idea of understanding words of insight, that's discernment. First uh, Kings 3.9, give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? Let me ask you this. How different would our country be right now if our leaders, this is not a political statement, if our leaders on all sides of these issues said, Lord, give your servant, give me an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. How different would things be? And how different in our lives? If that was our desire discernment, and that's what it's talking about in verse 2, is the ability to, to separate or distinguish between right and wrong. Parents, you know that there's a time where you have to just say, yes, you do this because I said so, right? We've all done that. If you haven't, you will. And that's okay. That's not a bad statement. There's a time for that statement. But if you raise a child and that's always your answer, they will get to a point where they won't know what's right and wrong because they haven't learned discernment. It's just, does my mom or dad say it's do this or don't do this? So we want that for our children. We must want that. Verse 3 says, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. So to have wisdom, one must have instruction. But real wisdom must be coupled with not just knowing the right thing to do, but actually doing what is right and just and displays equity. We live in uh, a world of talk, don't we? 24-hour talk. We can't get away from talk anymore. And yet, how often have you heard that same talk that you heard an hour before and two hours before and a day before and two days, a week before, and you say, yeah, but nothing ever happens. Have you ever felt that way? 
And here Solomon is saying, look, our, uh, to say something is one thing, but real wisdom is when there is action that supports what's been said. And by the way, that's a witness to the world too. When, when our actions support what we say rather than being all talk like the rest of the world we live in. And then verse 4, it says, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Prudence to the simple. Now, I have known in, in my life two girls named Prudence. Is there anybody in here named Prudence? Okay. Uh, I didn't think so. There's not that many around, actually. Uh, and if you know a Prudence, uh, there, there's nothing wrong with the name, but don't tell them what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> because uh, that same word when used outside of the book of Proverbs, is not really a, a good term. Uh, it is used in Genesis 3, verse 1, the serpent was more crafty, prudent, than any other beast of the field. So outside of the book of Proverbs, it's, it's more like deceptive or shrewd or cunning, but inside Proverbs, prudence is used positively as something that is part of God's wisdom. One commentator said, it's the ability to use reason in context under the fear of God to navigate the problems of life. So that's the positive if you know somebody named, named prudence. In other words, a, a person that really gets it, that that sees these principles and is able to uh, apply them in, in a right way to, to navigate through life. Uh, prudence carefully considers a situation before rushing in. It's a cool-headedness, one commentator said. Now notice it says it can give the simple, and that word simple is... Uh, you know, the naive, those that, that would be easily deceived, the wide open, it, it can give them the ability not to be deceived. So if anyone has ever said, oh, you're so gullible, Proverbs is, is a book for you. It goes on and talks about, uh, uh, it gives discretion to the youth. By the way, um, youth uh, would be those between birth and marriageable age, children, adolescent, and, and young adults. But I read uh, this week that, uh, you know those teeth way back in your um, head that are called wisdom teeth? You know why they're called wisdom teeth? Because usually... Uh, they come out between the ages of 17 and 25. And those are sometimes called the years of wisdom. The years. 
Now, I still have two of my wisdom teeth. I, I don't even know what that means, that, but I'm looking forward to still getting half of the wisdom that I'm going to get in this life. Uh, that's how I'm going to interpret that. But uh, parents, look again what it's saying for our children, talking about discretion and prudence. Who wouldn't want that for their children? Who wouldn't want that for themselves? And that's what this wisdom is. Verse 5 and 6, I'm putting them together. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. So Solomon believed that that the student of his writings uh, would cultivate the ability to see into life, not just muddle through, but to be able to navigate through life. So as I preach every Sunday, our, our desire is to help people joyfully know Jesus Christ, love him more, and serve him better. To, to be a disciple. But within that, we want our folks here at St. Andrews to, to think Christianly. In other words, to, to come to this place to be equipped of how we look at the world and not look at it like everyone else is necessarily looking at it. We don't reject it just because they don't know Christ, but we don't accept it just because everybody's saying it or doing it. And so if we begin to see life from God our Father's viewpoint, that's wisdom and that's the idea of thinking like a Christ follower, like a Christian. How do we do that? Well, that's what we're going to talk about in the next number of of weeks It's a 12-part series. I want to leave you with two things today because we can't say everything every time. One is a practical take-home, and the second is a teaser for next week. First of all, you cannot gain wisdom by osmosis. You can't gain it by osmosis. Not just by being around those who are wise, though that contributes. That can be a part of our our, uh, instruction. But you yourself must be instructed. So, how do we do that? Well, the first application is be here for the series. But then beyond that, If you're not already, begin reading Proverbs. Now, we already have a a St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church reading challenge. I don't want to take, take away from that at all. But I do want to challenge you to begin reading Proverbs. You know, the classic way to read Proverbs and to to for it really to become a part of your life is to read one chapter a day, every day. And so 
Every month you will read Proverbs. And so in a year you'll read it 12 times in your lifetime. Just imagine. Now, if, if you can't do that, read half, half of a chapter. It's not as easy to, to uh, keep track of. If you do one a day, you do it on the date. And you know what the next one you should read is. And every day, because of the way it's set up, you're going to get a number of different subjects and you will be amazed. And I want you to tell me when that happens. But you'll be amazed how many times you'll read uh, a chapter of Proverbs and that day one of those Proverbs will apply or several will apply. Think of, think of reading a, a chapter a day in that kind of like your meals. You may not remember all, all those uh, the proverbs, but like with meals, you, you don't remember all the meals you eat, but they nourish you. They keep you healthy and so on. They contribute to your health. And if you... Put Proverbs, you, you won't remember them all. But sooner than later, they will become a part of your thinking. And then the second thing is verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. We are going to spend all next Sunday seeking to understand what Proverbs and Scripture teaches us about the fear of the Lord. It may not be what you think it is. But verse 7 is considered by most to be the motto of this book, the theme of the book. It's foundational. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Let's, let's say it would be foolish to try to gain godly wisdom without understanding how the fear of the Lord relates to Christ, his Holy Spirit, and our lives. Let's bow together. <clears throat> Lord, will you Use this book in my life, in our lives. I think if any, anyone in this room is honest before you, we would say, of course we want more wisdom. Of course we want to, to navigate this life in the way you would have us. And of course it would be better than our own way. So as Lord, we... We read the Proverbs. Will you put them into our hearts? Put them into our minds. Use them. Help us to be more like Jesus, we pray. In his precious name, amen.